I'm, I'm down with one last question. Because I know my South producer, Carolina my, man. I'm from Edmond, South Carolina. Now, how come, this is what I always wanted to know, too, just black leadership in general. How come we always focus on what the white man's thinking and what the white man? Why, why can't we just focus on our own thing? Can we just focus on cleaning up the ghetto? It's like a lot of times, a lot of times, it's like uh, years ago, a couple of years ago, I'm in, I'm in Chicago. It was, I was with you. And Al Sharpton and like I was I was covering a, a rally for Comedy Central and brothers was marching for equal rights, marching past garbage. Of course white people ain't giving you a damn thing. Why don't you clean up your fucking house? <laughs> you know? I didn't mean to touch this my rapper, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm We, we were just talking. We were just talking backstage, and you want me to get more involved. I'm like, yeah, let's clean up the damn hood. Black people and white people, poor black people and poor white people live in the same conditions. Only thing, black people paint on their houses. It's free advertising. <laughs> but you know, I, I think the point is people. Ought if we to, straighten out ourselves, people would deal with us as human beings. Well, Don't you agree? A little bit. Well, it, it's well if your kid wants something and his room is dirty, you say, get back and clean up your well, room. Then tell me what you want. Cleanliness is always close to godliness. There's no question about yes, that. Thank you. But, but if you live in a certain area of town where they cut off access to capital, Yes. And cut off access to and jobs. Don't mean and you can't pick up it, a damn piece of paper in front of your house. But, 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 and pick don't it, mean that. But pick it up. My pick. mother used to make me clean up my yard and the two yards next door. To her. But I, I, I think it's important. You should, be able to, you should be able to pick up paper and pick up a paycheck. Pick up paper we and pick broke, up the plumber. And we still picked up the paper. My and daddy was on strike and I'm out there sweeping away, man. Well, my grandmother used to make us clean the dirt with a brush broom. <laughs> Having said that, even that is no substitute for the right to an education, I know, I know, a I job, know. and health care. Right, but we got to get on our own stuff a little bit. Well, we we got to smack our own kids upside the head every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> You're traveling to another radio show, a broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination, imagination. that's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged.
Okay. Just a few more days before we see Solly, Solly, <laughs> Jolly St. Nick, Jolly St. Nick, allegedly, or whatever religion you, you believe in. Folks, guess what? We still have more shows, still giving you more edutainment, courtesy of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine. I am your host, D-Bird, a.k.a. The Afro Nerd. This is the vaunted Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, and of course, the uncanny Daryl B. is forthcoming, I believe. I think he's doing some rock thing, as well as some wrestling thing. I don't understand, but I know he is a man about town. He has a lot of interest, as, as do we, but he, he is going to uh, call in at some point. Anyway, people, um, just a lot of material to get through, so let's just do that. You, too, can join in as well, 646-915-9620. That is the number. Again, 646-915-9620. Call in with your queries, tips, anything you'd like to chime in with. We can take it. Not a big deal. So let's just get into the music. We're going to give you Urban Alternative Groove, Black Rock and Roll, Psychedelic Soul. But this is the time where we're, we do try to give you more Yuletide grooves. So uh, one of my favorite bands, Fishbone has a cut that I played before, and I will play it again. Simply called Slick Nick, You Devil You, Fishbone. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Slick Nick stole the reindeer from the zoo Fell down my chimney with a keg of Put my dog out in the cold Ripped off the candy from my side Smoking clothes and drinking scotch. Slick Nick, you devil, you. Slick Nick, you devil, you. The toys were broken too You did
and Jack Daniels all over the drapes. Spray painting a bad finger over the fireplace. Tattoos on his arms and knees. I never thought Santa Claus would be such a sleaze, but uh, uh, slick Nick, you devil, you devil, you, you just a devil, you, you just a devil, you, you just a devil, 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 devil. All right, the great fishbone, unfortunately, pulling out the phaser because we have a lot of show to give you. Slick Nick, you devil, you. Again, the mighty fishbone. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. And, of course, well, he is the captain. Without further ado, Captain Kirk, you needed in the ready room once again. Let's get to it. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Diatribe. It's an official Captain Kirk slash Afronerd radio diatribe. So I will be starting like this. Once again, I am not a scientist. I am not a doctor. I'm not even a teacher. Now, there's a reason why I start my diatribes like that. I start the diatribes like that because that's the basis of the future attack that comes after Captain puts a Satanist on blast with a lot of power. So since the future affects the past, we change the past to have a different future now. So if the attack still materializes, all the observers that listen to the show come in and say, he never said he was a scientist. He never said that he was a doctor. So the attack gets taken out. That's just by the by. You know, that's just using what is known as the hyperquantum Theory to my advantage Don't worry I know you don't understand that This won't be that difficult Now allegedly Theoretically potentially Inductively They say Mark Twain I don't know if it was Mark Twain though You gotta be careful with history that's a whole other thing They say Mark Twain had said If it matters they don't tell us About it Now I added on to that I Somewhat agree with that, but also you got to put this on it. If it matters, they put a disclaimer on it also. They may tell you, but they put a disclaimer to deter you away, to move away from thinking that way. So let's get into a few things. Let's look at the historical record. Any of you, once you left university and started reading, seeing other authors that don't prescribe to the European culture or even directly direct African culture or direct Chinese culture 
because there's authors all over the place that have found contradictions in a lot of what these countries are telling you in their schools. There's an old adage that history is written by the victors. So what I like to do is put the onus on historical record. You heard me say, according to this, such and such historians and that nature. So if it comes back wrong, it's not on me. That's just the information from them, goes into them. So I scapegoat information all the time. But a lot of you find things that's a total contradiction. It's not just the authors, stuff that you've studied on your own. So wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. You know, things like nanotech is supposed to be a modern day thing, right? So at least the Smithsonian told you about this. Who knows what else they tell you about? We let this one out. How come the Romans allegedly, ancient Rome now, had nanotech? How is that happening? So what are they not telling you? I thought this is supposed to be the modern, we're supposed to be the height of uh, science and technology. Anyone who's paying attention, you can see that really is not true. With all these monoliths and all these structures, at times they don't know even the weight of these structures. And they'll tell you, we couldn't build this today because we don't even know what it weighs. So what's going on here? So you're not told directly what it is because it matters. Okay. You have archaeologists. You have people who study fossils. They dig up things all the time. They dig up things in Africa that's contrary to the history. In China, contrary to the history. Here in the United States, of course, it wasn't called that then, just like it wasn't called Africa then, you know, way back when. That's contrary to history. They try to put it out. It gets blocked. The young archaeologists who thinks they're going to take over the world with their education, they learn quickly you have to play a game. Because one find can turn history upside down. And they find a lot of times, you can look this stuff up for yourself, that anything that goes against the present day history, for most part, they're not allowed to publish, put out, or somehow it goes missing. That's the way it works. You know why that happens? Because it matters. All right? And it has something to do with what the human is. All right? Now, they tell you, and this is everywhere, this is everywhere, but it's really from the Jewish faith, that you're a goyim. Goyim is a cattle. They didn't call you smart. They didn't call you rich. They didn't call you banker. They didn't even call you a dog. They know dogs are smart. They called you cattle. That's disrespectful. You know what cattle is? Cattle has meat. And someone known as the captain has told you in mass, not singular, in mass, not singular. Singular, you probably feel that way. But in mass, you're more important than any government, any weapon, or anything else because you make everything go. Now, if captain had Odin-type power, and then he uses Odin's-type power in conjunction with time dilation, he moves you to another universe or to a pocket reality for like a day or let's say half a day so you won't go too crazy. And then three weeks passes here in the United States. 
There's no people here to work anything. We leave some of the government officials just so they can lose their mind. What do you think happens to the economy? It's finished. The United States is not coming back from that. Actually, the whole world would be devastated, but probably places like China would come back. China would probably come back, and Russia would probably eventually come back. Rest of the rest of the world, not so much. That that's it. It'll be done with. So you see. That being said, because it matters, the way slave doesn't talk this way. You are the most important thing. It's not the government. It's not the president. They might be important singly, but in conjunction, in mass, you're the most important thing. Because they cannot run government without you. So hence, what does that mean? You got to constantly be monitored. Hence, what does that mean? You got to monitor all leaders that might take you off this path. And if you don't play the game. They pink slip you. We've seen this throughout history. You know, let's look at medicine. When you look at, you go to a doctor where they're real, where they're real, they do a really good job. They do a really good job at diagnosing what's going on. And if you need something cut out, there you go. It works very well. But do they cure anything? Because it matters. Most of you have if you're sick, that's what I mean when I say most of you, you might have a disease that's treatable that years ago you might have died within, let's say, three, four years. But they, they say, oh, you just get these pills, we treat the symptom, got 25 years out of it. You know, you're 50, you find out of it, 75, you're, you're pretty much in the lifespan situation, you know, anyway. So, you know, disease will probably kill you when you're 75. But look how much money your insurance and you yourself having that premium and, and whatnot spend with paying for these pills that just treat the symptom. You know why? They don't go to root cause because it matters. The economy is also very much tied up into it. That's right in your face. Let's look at the military now. The military, a lot of people, and we have some that call into the show, some people from time to time, I've met a few of these people on the street, they'll tell you off record what really happened when they went overseas, but they will not say it in general public because they cannot. They sign non-disclosure agreements, and they don't want any beef with their pension, or worse, with Uncle Sam. Now, why is that? Because it matters. It matters. Look what happened in the Vietnam when the people, they didn't know everything, when the American people found out what the U.S. military was doing over there in Vietnam to some of those Viet Congs. You lost the informational war. War is not pretty. And at times we got to see the ramifications of war up close. Not a good thing. Not a good look. And other things they got to see. Not a good look. And what you find a lot of times when you start to look at this stuff, not all the time, there's legitimate ops. Don't get me wrong, legitimate ops. That a lot of these time they're going overseas, that's just a cover, what they're doing. They're going over there for other things, black ops, things of that nature. Let's take the artifacts out of here, you know. Let's cover up this, you know. That artifacts thing is a whole different thing. There's a reason why you got to do that. If you go in a certain place and they have some artifacts that are 40 million years of age, that turns history upside down. There's ramifications for that. The way slave cannot think the authority 
is totally lying to them. Though you're starting to get there. You know, there's an old saying in this. Pay attention to this saying. The lie and the truth, they went skinny dipping. Two sides of the pond. One was at one end, one was at the other. The lie being a trickster, naturally, gets out of the pond, puts on the truth's clothes. The truth is swimming the other way in the pond. He looks up. He sees the lie putting on his clothes. So he gets up out of there, and the lie starts running with the truth's clothes. Ever since then, the naked truth has been tracing the lie. And the truth, what happens when you see really, when you've been handed the lie for the longest? Lies are clothed really well. The truth, when you see a naked person, you either stop or stare or you're blown away. You're normally disorientated. And that's how the wage slave, you know, it's like Neo when he red pill, blue pill business. That's how the wage slave is when it comes to truth. So for most part, you can't really handle the truth because you've been lied to for so long. Now, why is that? Because it matters. It gets into something what the human really is, which I'll explain at a later date, what you are and what's your significance here on this planet, using their own information, by the way. I'm not as stupid as them. <laughs> you know, most of you don't know how money actually works. You know why? Because it matters. It matters. All right? You might know a couple of things, what they taught you in the economy and all that. But if you start to look at what they teach you in your economics class and everything else, you realize that's incomplete. You know, money is a byproduct of complex number of electricity. Now, see, you got to know what complex number of electricity is. All right? And also why, what happens when you print it on paper versus a coin. You know, you have to get into Cosmos. Time density. One of these days, I'll tell you. I'll break it all down to you. I'll break that down to you. You know why you don't know that and they don't teach that? They probably should. They probably don't know about Yeah, they do know about that complex number of lectures. They definitely know about that. They do know about, you know, Cosmo time density might be a little advanced, but those with a scientific event could figure that out because it matters. All right? So that's cut from you. So you're guessing at what makes money. Now, Here's a real interesting one to me. <laughs> the scientists of this time, they'll say, 13.8 billion years ago, a big explosion happened and created the universe. Then enters the captain. Who created the explosion? Uh, humana, humana, we just know it just exploded. The captain says to the scientists, that's mojo. That's like me telling a normal wage slave, uh, 20 years ago, your car just blew up on the street. The wage slave says to the captain, how did my car blow up? Oh, it just blew up. Now, that's BS. Either some chemicals where the sun came in and started to heat up the chem- chemicals, it exploded, or, you know, there was some fuel air mixture and some spark electricity, something like that, or someone put a bomb on me. See, you start to figure that out. That's mechanistic. That's mojo they teach it in school. This is why, also, it matters. That's why the scientists have been staying in a mechanistic, which means, let's explain that, mechanistic linear reality. You put one foot in front of each other, all right, linear, A, B, C, D, E, F, G business, and this right here, what you see, solid space in front of you, 
All right? We'll call that for right now just the real reality. Scientists now are starting to look underneath reality. You say, what the hell is that? They call it, you know, grid science. Because they know that mojo foolishness they've been selling at school don't make any sense. How are you just going to have an explosion? I'll talk about that at a later time. I'll go into it a lot more. It doesn't make any damn sense, my dude. That's mojo. You got to be able to define it better than that. And the reason why for the longest they couldn't define it because it matters. But I'll get into that more later another time because I got to go through imaginary mathematics and things of that nature in a simple format in order for you to grasp that concept. Some of you might already know that because you might have experienced doing imaginary mathematics. You get that in pre-calculus. You may have got it. You were proper Negro. You may have got that in um, high school. You know what I'm saying? Or you went to college and then you did, didn't, you had to do another math course after repeating algebra over. They call it college algebra. Really, dude? Whatever. And you took another math course and you said, let me just take pre-calculus. You might have been in that. Way. Or maybe you, you, you went on to electrical engineering and stuff like that and you studied it. Either way, I'll go through it. All right? Now, let's go a little bit further with this. Conspiratorial. Here's the thing with the wage slave zombie idiot. If a person comes, dots their I's, cross their T's, and says, here you go, this is what's going on. The narrative was not tailored. Right? But someone... From an authority figure says that's conspiratorial, even though it made sense to you before, you disregard it. I'm not talking about the conspiratorial person who's very good, and this is what they're very good at. They're very good at telling authorities that they're lying, but they're not good a lot of times with saying it's this, that, and the third. They tailor the narrative. They have to put, they have to just look at the information like a really good detective does. What a really good detective does, they go. All right, your story, their story, now we got to find the truth. They're not good at finding the truth because they, they're very similar to you. You're like, oh, I got you. It's this, this, and that. I'm smarter than you. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know? So they mess it up a lot of times. But every now and then, a conspiratorial person dots their I's and crosses their T's very well, and they bundle it up and package it nice, and they do get the lying BS person. In authority, but you still don't listen as Peru, because why you have an authority bet? This matters. This matters. You understand? You think that this organization is really reputable? Like you look at all the news around the world. All of them are full of it because they all spin it. Your transgenic chimp. You so you have to look at all of it and then figure out what it is. They're all spinning. That's what they do. That's what men like to do. You like to be right. But it has to do tied into the way that you're made with this authority figure business. You know, authority is already right. It's real easy for me. I don't so much play that game. If you have power, I have to listen. If you don't have power, F you. I don't get into that moral stuff. Food for thought. You know? Food for the thought. Just a few things for you to think about. Now, no, one, one other thing we'll add in. Then I'll close up here. If you look at the education system, and some of you actually figured this out, this, is, this been, has been done by a few Asian people, a few black people, you know, a uh, few white people, men, women, cross-racially, 
you realize the education system. It's good at teaching you how to read and write and fundamental stuff. But anything that's really, really going to empower you, they keep out of there. And they say they can't teach it. You know, universities don't teach the science of Nikola Tesla, even though they know they know about it. Because the science of Nikola Tesla will bring down that whole foolishness you got running your house right now. That alternating current and the way it's set up and all that. that you know, you realize quick that the system is rather archaic. Why don't we have this? You see, this stuff matters. So anything that matters, allegedly, theoretically, potentially, according to Mark Twain, I don't know if he did it. You know, it could have been someone else. You know, you're not allowed to know about. Now, why is it when you go to university, you go to university, they have half of the curriculum is BS. Get rid of it. Well, everything around you, as you could see, because it matters, is designed to dumb you down. When you have more people studying mathematics and science, number one, you raise the baseline of the population. That's the first thing. That's proven. We don't have to play that game. But you know what happens? When you have people studying mathematics and science, you get always get a few people that are going to go rogue. They're not going to follow the diktat. So people have to be dumbed down. What does that mean? You're going to get people that say, let me see what these bankers are doing. Let me see what, let me apply science to what went on with ancient Egypt. You understand? Things of that nature. Let me see if there's such such thing as ghosts. Let me see if there's such thing as life after death. You see, so you have to keep the people in a certain paradigm and dumb you down. So you take a bunch of the most easiest courses. That's what most of you do. Even with the ones that can do it, the higher stuff, the harder stuff, you stay away from it. You know, let me get an MBA, which you can make a lot of money with that, especially if you go to the right school. You're not going to say, let me get a master's in electrical engineering, <laughs> a minor in physics, or a minor in quantum physics. What for? Where's the reward? You see what I'm saying? So certain things have to be pushed because it matters. It's just food for thought, people. Think about this stuff. Just think about it in your day-to-day. I'm going to finish up right there. This is, I could go on all day with this stuff, but I'm going to finish up right there. We have a show to do. Let's get it going. Back over to AfroLearn. All right. As always, Captain, we appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your insights. Folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. And, of course, sometimes the uncanny Darrell B. I think, as he said on Twitter, he would be peeping in and peeping out. I believe he's um, attending some kind of event. I believe it's a wrestling event, actually. Maybe when he comes in, he can explain what he's doing. But you can join in, of course. The floor is open, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Just a couple of things, and then we'll get into the meat. Um, we went on air. Captain sent out a tweet to my attention, and I noticed that it went, um, went like crossfire on Twitter with um, the first trailer for the Hellboy reboot. And I must confess, look, I'm going to see it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, I, I always liked the first two Hellboys. Now, what's amazing is so much time has passed. It doesn't feel like so much time, but the uh, Ron Perlman version of Hellboy 
with Guillermo del Toro steering it came out in 2004. So, believe it or not, came out right before, well, it came out around the time of the uh, Batman trilogies, the first Batman, uh, you know, the first Batman reboot, I should say. Uh, the, you know, I, I can't even say it that way. There's been a number of Batman reboots. Um, but, again, the Christian Bale version of Batman, 2003, Hellboy was 2004. So we're talking about 14, almost 15 years. But what I could see in the trailer, it it looked, well, it looked not that much different than the other Hellboy films. And we have a different act involved in this actor from Stranger Things, uh, David Harbour, or Harbour. Uh, Mila Jovovich, who we've seen quite a few times over the years in science fiction stuff. But... Um, I feel like Ron Perlman could have probably still done the role, even though he's older. With all that makeup, I mean, he, he's indistinguishable Agreed. from the he's indistinguishable from the from the last actor. You know what I mean? I, I don't even I don't even think because I think um, Ron Perlman. I've, actually, I've seen him in interviews. He's been very uh, political. He looks like himself. Um, to me, it just, it just looked like he could have could have continued doing it. Because I don't really see someone who's not really into it, like the way uh, the, the captain and myself and Daryl and our listeners, they probably think this. They probably think it is the same guy. Maybe this guy is cheaper. <laughs> Normally, it's always money, because David Harbor is is kind of, you know, he's he, he's becoming more and more recognizable. He's becoming more of a name, and also you start to realize that this acting thing is very similar to all to all other kinds of conventional work. We think of acting as being this very esoteric, artsy thing, and, and there's an aspect of it that it is. But the, you also see, just like any other job, if you're skilled in a, in a specific job, they keep on giving you that same job. So he seems to be uh, staying, as, as Perlman actually, they stay in that sci-fi fantasy lane, and uh, it's not really that much of a leap from what he was doing in Stranger Things, which has gotten a season, a season three on Netflix, to doing this Hellboy reboot. So I'm going to see it. It looks, it looks legitimate. But I, I, um, I've always respected Perlman's thinkability and what he brings to his roles. You know, using Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, he's been a number. He's been a Blade, Blade Two specifically. He's a, he's a phenomenal actor. So I would have liked for him to kind of continue with this franchise that he actually started. But look, um, we see that uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro, who is an Oscar winner, mind you now, and someone someone who should have have always been taken seriously, um, I don't know what happened there. There's a couple of things that if he had remained with the franchises that he started, like Pacific Rim, they might have gotten a different result. Hell, if they bring back Blade, I'd like to see him come back to Blade. And as as I would like to see Wesley Snipes. But, you know, these Hollywood decision makers, you have no idea what they're going to do. So it is what it is. But anyway, folks, you may want to check out, if you haven't, it just hit the cyberwebs today, I believe, the Hellboy 2019 reboot featuring 
uh, Mr. Harbor, David Harbor, and uh, Neil Marshall is the director on this. So, and Mila Jovovich. Anyway, um, can I can I oh, add yeah. something with that? Sure. Look, maybe it's just me, but I thought the Ron Perlman version when they shot him, he seems bigger, like he's taller. You know. I, I, that's the first thing I got when I got. I said, "Man, come on, man, make make them at least go." You know what they did? They would go, you know, mid range, a lot of mid range shots, and a lot of. Um, let me see. They would go mid range and they go wide. The way they shot him was like he was like nine feet or something like that. You know, not like he's like seven feet or something. They, it seemed like they shrank him down, man. They shrinking, man. You know, that's why I didn't really care for that, man. But we, but I'll see what happens with it, man. You know, and I love the first one. The first one, the first one was white, man. I don't care what any of you say, man. That first Hellboy was white, boy, kind of gangster, you know. You know, you always gotta put the Nazis to drum it up. Uh, Guillermo loves to do stuff with the Nazis. Actually, he do use the Nazis a little too much, but it was kind of gangster. It was kind of hard, boy. I like that. <laughs> I saw. We'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens with this. Back to you, Alfred. Well, ironically, if we're gonna go into the metrics. Ron Perlman is 6'1", and Harbor is 6'3". So, in actuality, the new actor is the taller actor, but, you know, perhaps how it is, how it is filmed, like you say, you, you don't know. I mean, you could have someone – Yeah, look, we, we know that Hollywood has a thing when it comes down to height and, and their actors. So, but if anyone's over six foot, you're a giant on screen usually – um, oh, in the yeah. acting game, so it's it's really hard to say what's going to be what's going to be uh, what the end result will be. I mean, it, it didn't look like crap. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I, I was somewhat impressed that it it had the the vibe of the pre preceding films, but uh, again, just out of respect to Perlman and what he brought to the role, and the, I think if a person is still able to do do the job, given the job. You know, look, we we got uh, Sir Patrick Stewart has got a gig at like in his late seventies. He's a fit good. He's by the way, he's he's fit. So it's so arbitrary. Hell, I didn't even know Ron Ron Perlman's sixty eight. I didn't even know he was he was uh, that old. Not that I perceive sixty eight to be old, but he pulled me on there. He, he with the interview with the recent interviews that that I saw him do, I thought he was like in his mid fifties. I had no idea he was close to seventy. He doesn't carry himself like that. Wow. But with the makeup on, it would have been the same Hellboy. <laughs> would have been the same Hellboy. Mm-hmm. I, see, I, see a little, I see a little thing here as I'm Googling and speaking. And it's a little, it's a little thing here out of comicbook.com. I'll put it in the chat room. It says, Netflix seems to prefer Ron Perlman's Hellboy over Stranger Things star David Harbour. Mm. What's up with that? What's up with that? That's his, that's Harbour's employer. Curry favor with the pre, the, the previous What does that mean? Room right now. Oh, look, game. What's going on until we have to see that yeah, we're so the, Your mic is chopping. Yes. Yeah, your yeah, mic is chopping. Still got a little chop going. Try again. 
Yeah, you sound clear now. Okay, I have no idea. All right, so uh, let's move forward a little bit. Um, there's a lot to talk about, actually. Well, you know what? Let's get into this. Let's get into this emotional thing that some folks seem to have. And we'll talk about the passing of iconic actress and director Penny Marshall um, shortly. Let's get, let's get into this thing. Uh, uh, and we, again, I don't want to come off like I'm some soothsayer, even though I am. And that I spoke about this stuff many years ago. When, when, there was, when there wasn't even really any real serious talk of a Black Panther film. I, I I could probably go through the archives and find the actual discourse where I had said clearly, you know, I said a couple of things. I said I remember. I said one, it'll be something to see white people wearing something that says phonetically Black Panther. Just just that alone. Take away the fact that it's connected to a superhero movie. That's that's like fourth wall stuff. I'm talking about wearing a shirt that says Black Panther because we know. By and large, Black Panther has a lot has, is is inextricably connected to the Black Panther Party going back from from the from the mid '60s. So, I thought if that is that is a possibility, I rem, I remember the feedback. No, I don't see that. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I said, what are you talking about? If this movie gets made. It's going to have to go through the same processes as any other movie. Just, just as it's going to be a product, just like Star Trek or Star Wars or Lord, Lord of the Rings or anything like that, is going to be perceived in the same way, or, or it's going to be, it's going to go through the system that way. How it's perceived is, is something else. So interestingly enough, we see that the clothing manufacturer. Forever 21 made quote unquote a mistake. I'm not sure it's actually a that, that I'm not really sure is a mistake. Um, even our dear friend and supporter, and sometimes uh, and sometimes tech assistant <laughs> uh, Sally V from the His- Hispanic YouTube channel, which uh, our listeners should check out, the Hispanic. YouTube channel, and also she has Hispanic on Instagram. And she, uh, I put up a, uh, a tweet, part of a tweet, I'm still using old language. I put up a, a posting on IG about this show, and I used the advertisement or advertisement that was at issue with this young white male wearing, quote-unquote, a ugly Christmas sweater, which is a thing unto itself. It's a tradition of wearing ugly Christmas sweaters. And it has the Black Panther motif ready for purchase. So it's a white male in a superhero-themed ugly sweater shirt. Just as, just as easily as he could have adorned a, a Wolverine motif or a Batman motif, so saith Black Panther. And somehow that caused a tick with the nogs, and they couldn't handle it. And I'm saying, but what part of this being a Disney property do you not understand? Or, or are you going to be comfortable, apparently you are, you are comfortable that someone pulled the trigger, 
probably the same forces that the captain referenced in his last diatribe. Someone pulled the trigger to say, okay, we've got to do something to appease these black folks because they're a little restless. Let's, let's give them, let's, let's let them eat cake like Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake, calm down the natives. So Disney gave you your black pride. They did. They did. Disney and Marvel, two white corporations. And you don't, you seem not to be able to make heads or tails or make distinctions or understand what's going on. And also, I, I, I had said, I've been saying this for many years, preceding the release of Black Panther and, and post, the re, post Black Panther, I had said that ideally, ideally, you would want your heroes, your IPs, to be treated and to be perceived the same way that same way and with the same ease that I wear and I have and will continue to wear a flash motif or a Batman symbol or Star Wars or Star Trek any of that stuff. It's it's this time it's the black person's aesthetic and now you wanna you wanna hold on to it. It's it's analogous also to the ascendancy of Barack Obama, President Barack Obama. We black folks want to want to pretend that we were the sole catalyst for having that family, and of course uh, Pres- President Obama in the White House. But white people and cross racially, they were instrumental, maybe more so, in actually making it so. So as much as we we want to own some of this stuff, this this is pop culture. This is pop culture. Now, I also said. That although Disney is making money, and it was even talk at the time, foolish talk about, well, Disney needs to give up some ducats, using the street colloquialism, give up some ducats to the black family, <laughs> to the black community, for them giving you black pride. They got to give us something. Don't, and I think they did donate like a million dollars. But I was, I felt a certain kind of way when, when they capitulated to that. I don't think they should have given anything. Because you have minstrels that look like you, that make plenty of money, or they give you the perception they give plenty of money, and you don't, you don't ask them for anything. And they continue to degrade you. Uh, black corporations and white corporations, black creatives and white creatives, collectively, there's a space where they do, in my estimation, do degrade black people and black culture. A lot of it is in commercial hip-hop, squarely. Not the stuff that we play, not the underground stuff, not the stuff that you could search out, not, not a, a fair share of the classic hip-hop stuff, but this new order with mumble rap, sure, it's pretty disrespectful. And, and, it's, and actually, again, a lot of, a lot, not all, a lot, if you go back many decades, has been disrespecting you for quite some time. And you, you're not asking for any of that money back. But the one moment in time that Black Panther actually was a respectful depiction and made you feel good about your phenotype and your dark skin and, and gave you a, the potentiality for a Afrofuturistic Africa, you, couldn't, you were beside yourself. Hell, I was a bit out of sorts when I saw it the first time. 
I was like, wow, this is something. But I never forgot, and I always expected that to see, or to, you know, to see white people, ideally white people. That that means you're going to get a Black Panther too. I don't know if it would if it would have been successful if only black people saw it. Maybe there's a hint that it probably would have been successful because black people really went out to see this thing. But for it to really become a phenomenon, so much to the point that it's, a, it's an Academy Award, from what I believe, an Academy Award-nominated um, effort, as well as the Golden Globes. I mean, it really knocked down a lot of barriers. Um, black folks had, were instrumental in that, certainly. But let's not, let's not get stupid and believe that we own Black Panther. But we can definitely use it as a springboard for some things. We see Wakanda. I see a lot of small businesses on IG that I doubt Marvel Comics is getting any money for. If you're going to keep it 100, black folks hopefully are behind it, or I hope a fair share of black people are behind it in actually capitalizing on Black Panther. And there's not, nothing stopping you from patronizing our friend Dick Walker, his image comic book, Bitterroot. There's a lot of properties out here made by black people that are also in that sci-fi fantasy space that you can help your brothers and sisters. Uh, Ford Richardson is, is, a, is a beast as a comic book creator. There's a lot of people. Sanford Green is, is um, Mr. Walker's cohort on, on uh, Bitterroot. I mean, there's a lot of people. Daryl can come in and also uh, provide a lot more um, information as far as some of this, this black product. You know, uh, Black, the comic... You know, I mean, come on. Tuskegee Airs, a lot of hot stuff out here. Made made for and by black people. I don't know if you're quite as giddy about it. You might have to see white people in, the, in their spaces, too. If you want it to work, you might. Anyway, a- any thoughts on this? Again, to the to listening audience, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, sometimes the uncanny. And we're talking about this 21... Um, uh, why am I forgetting? I'm on a roll, Captain. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Century twenty-one. No, it's not. Oh, you're you're messing up no, too. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Century twenty-one, man. <laughs> what the hell is it? Whatever it is, <laughs> twenty-one something. Um, well, you go, what are your thoughts about? What, <laughs> yeah, what are you, I'm looking at it now. Actually, I thought I wrote it down. Okay, I can't find it. This, this, uh, I just, I just mentioned it. Century twenty one. <laughs> Century twenty one is like another. It's another, uh, another outlet. Anyway, All right, your I'll thoughts. This. All right. <clears throat> when it comes to something like this, you got to look at it this way. You know, historians will say that the blacks of this country, a lot of historians. They really don't know their true history, and that's one of the problems. Of course, there's forever problems. twenty-one, forever twenty-one, forever twenty-one. Close okay. enough, century forever. <laughs> okay, all right. A century all isn't right. forever; it just feels like it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they'll say, you know, we really don't know who we are in this country. You know, as I always say to you, you have 
an interesting history in this place because it's really a European black history. That's what you are. You're a European black. You look at the history. That's what it is. Or a black European. <laughs> Either way that you want, whatever makes you more feel more comfortable. So there's always a fight within you because of this. Some historians will agree with this. Some of you won't agree. That's okay. But now imagine this. It's not going to happen what I'm going to say, but just imagine this. It's not going to happen. Imagine if you had, but let me not say that because some people are saying they're trying to co-opt it. Some people say stuff like this. But, but now it's not going to happen. You have a lot of white people in Alabama, let's say majority of Alabama, Tennessee, you know, Arkansas, running around with Malcolm X shirts. Not burning them, wearing them. Malcolm X shirt, Malcolm X on the back and the front shirt, fight the power. What do you think allegedly, theoretically, potentially starts to happen to the people in respect to that? Some of them are going to look at the history and say, all right, you would come along and say, why are you adopting Malcolm X? But a lot of those white people would turn around and say, okay, we see your plight. We're using this for our plight. And they may, and chances are, they may become less racist towards you. So that's the power within the observation with doing that kind of shirt. It's somewhat similar, not the same thing. When Public Enemy was rocking strong, you know how many white people had their fists in the air saying, fight the power, fight the power? It was more of them than you when you go to the concert. Chuck D will tell you about that. So you got to be careful with this. You got to be careful with this stuff here. You got to be real careful. You got to really be real careful. Now, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on, on where you are with this president, something like that is not going to happen. People can be swayed by observation. But it's just food for thought with this stuff. It's food for thought. And Afro-Nerd is right. Now, hopefully... Before the next one drops, we can let Afro know we get him on stage again at the show, but this time he cuts loose. <laughs> you have to do the warm up first, Afro Nerd, and then the next time you cut loose, <laughs> right? <laughs> we work that out. You know, we work that out. You know, we, we'll talk to the higher ups to make sure that happens. You know, make sure you eat your Wheaties that day because you got to turn up. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll be ready. I will have taken the, uh, the the herb anyway by that time, the purple <laughs> herb that we saw in the film by that time, there you go. most certainly. You know something else? And, and again, I, I have to, you know, we're going to go to a quick Yuletide groove, and then we're going to go back into what we do. But I got to mention this. Um, you know, I, I do, and I, I look, when I'm on a mic, I'm very honest. I, you know, just what the name What happened? Your mic went out. Check your mic. Check your mic. You know, you're going in and out, Afro nerd. You're on a roll there, see? That's the powers that be that's messing us up right now. They don't like what he's saying. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can hear me. I don't hear you at all, Afro nerd. That means your mic is about to drop. Nope. Check the connection. There you see. There you go. He dropped. Now these things work here. 
and see if we get Afro back. Let's go into something. Just for shenanigans. Listen to this. We're going to play Black Panther versus Captain America till we get him back. It's always good. This is always good. Always good. You can go home now. We have already taken out the garbage. I wanted to question them. We have the answers we need. I guess that means I have questions for you. Goodbye, Captain America. We need to talk. Maybe you just lop off the head of every newcomer who hits town. If we did that, you wouldn't have yours. But those Nazis were here for a reason. Yes, to steal our vibranium. The mineral that can only be found here, in Wakanda. Hitler needs it for the next generation of their missile systems. As do you. These are dangerous times. You need to choose a side. We have our own. We take our borders very seriously, and you have crossed ours. Now look here. Mistake. <laughs> Buddy, I've just about had it. You're just plain rude. Move back. I've been following your fledgling career, Steve Rogers. How did you know my name? I think in time. You will represent to your nation what the Black Panther represents to Wakanda. And that is a good thing. But today, I must teach you a lesson. Well, what happened ah, there? My, my, my apologies. <laughs> no, I, I was playing, in your absence, I was playing Black Panther versus Captain America in your absence. It's always good. It's always a good one, you know? It's always a good one. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump back so, into it, sir. So, so real quick, you know, we could talk about, you know, revisiting Schomburg for that. I mean, we're going, to be, we're going to be at Schomburg in a few weeks anyway, and we'll have enough Instagram and enough footage for that. But um, what I was thinking of, which, which had, gave me this tick, because at the time when I was talking about Black Panther and have been repeatedly talking about the importance of the character, even though it was Marvel, you know, this whole thing about these New Jacks commenting on something – Yes, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created this character. You, gotta, you still have to give credit that even white folk, Jewish people specifically, were able to put themselves in a, in a space where they were able to tap into Afrofuturism. You, gotta, you have to at least acknowledge that. Like, it's, it's not um, the sole domain of black people in the human experience in the human condition to to just be the only ones that will be that can imagine a digitized Africa. We should be the the, the, the primary primary folk doing it, but that doesn't stop anyone else from coming up with ideas. So they came up with this notion in nineteen sixty six and you know, boom, this year something magical, magical came out from their, their early beginnings. But uh, I do get a tick when I see on the route 
that Oprah Winfrey hosted a Black Panther party. And I mean not the Black Panther party, but a Black Panther film shindig for its stars and all the ancillary people involved. And, you know, the Black Hollywood and probably Hollywood attended this event. And I'm saying, you know, this has been co-opted from a lot of, from a lot of different factions within the black community, I think, when they really weren't in the R&D spots, the research and development spots that we call comic book stores, they weren't there with, with myself and Daryl. They weren't there. But now, you know, you have middle-aged, advanced-age um, housewives that are going into the, the, the camp of Wakanda. I mean, I guess that's a good thing, but, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen in, in as I was told on stage. And I said, well, they kind of set themselves up for it to happen. Even, I don't, even though I don't think Black Panther was a perfect film, it was good. It was extremely excellent. But, hey, I don't want to go into the masculinity thing. <laughs> that's something that, you know, you're not allowed to go there anymore. That's the thing that, that's the component that's missing that is shoring up uh, black feminism as if black masculinity hasn't taken its hits. Anyway, can't have a conversation. All right, so let's go to this groove. When we get back, talk about the passing of um, Penny Marshall, and we'll talk about the uh, Facebook shenanigans. You should be scared what has ha- what's been happening with Facebook. Anyway, this is Sleigh Ride, Ella Fitzgerald remix, the iconic Ella Fitzgerald. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. I figured I'd let that ride once again. The iconic Ella Fitzgerald Sleigh Ride remix. This is the Midweek in Review edition of After Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. The call in number is 646 915 9620. Again, 646 915 9620. So, again, we're back at it with folks that are leaving us, folks that we grew up with, folks that we thought would just always kind of sort of be around. I know that might be an immature way of looking at things, but that is the human, that's how we are as humans. We just believe that folks that we have some kind of connection to, even vicariously, we just perceive that they're just going to always be there, especially if you don't really hear anything. I think it's a little easier to deal with if you hear that someone has had some issues with their health. And then there's a progression, you know, a kind of a downward spiral. Then, you know, it's, it's never comfortable, but you might be able to rationalize it better. So anyway, here we are back with um, Ms. Marshall, who we, many of us knew squarely from Laverne and Shirley, which was a spinoff from Happy Days. So, um, you know, in the early to mid-70s, actually from the se- – from the early 70s to the early 80s, these shows had a fairly decent run. In the case of Penny Marshall, it was spearheaded by her brother, who passed on a few years ago, Gary Marshall. And I, I would also kind of sort of liken Gary Marshall to uh, – liken him something to, to like a Norman Lear, where he was responsible for a number of shows – and this was a family affair, but she was extremely talented, actually more so than we would have thought, because in some ways it, it looked as if Penny Marshall might have, might have eclipsed her brother in some respects. Both of them were very powerful and legendary in Hollywood. But for Penny Marshall to be kind of this comedic actress and then to make a transition into a legit director – and she 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 did some some movies that were you know were, you know look iconic movies. A Jumping Jack Flash was her directorial debut, and I believe Whoopi Goldberg's. I believe was it yeah Whoopi no Whoopi was in was in Color Purple before Jumping Jack Flash. But it was one of her early films. So, but her first film was Jumping Jack Flash. Uh, and she some of the other films she may be familiar with, uh, of course, A League of Their Own with Madonna which was a big hit. Uh, the Preacher's Wife, which was a remake, but this time it starred Denzel Washington and the late Whitney Houston. So, you know, um, when you factor in her, her charmed life, as I see it, from her filmography, what she, how she will forever be remembered as a real force in Hollywood, uh, she and her brother, because and again, I felt something when Gary Marshall passed, and I was wondering. I, I was like, I, I knew that he died, and I knew it was pretty recent. So he died in '16, and unfortunately, uh, she succumbed in uh, a few days ago from diabetes, some complications from diabetes. So, and and again, that's the kind of disease that I kind of sort of thought that one could control. We don't really think of people dying from diabetes, but they are. And when you talk about folks with their diets and obesity and, and you're accused of fat shaming and although you don't have to be you know, morbidly obese to be diabetic, but getting into people's diets 
and their um, personal contributions to their health, it's, especially nowadays, it's a difficult thing. So I, I'm, I'm sorry to see that she. I'm sorry to see that she that she's gone. Uh, Captain, any thoughts about the passing of Penny Marshall? Well, we all we all pretty much watched the show, you know, Laverne and Shirley, and also Happy Days. Our generation, that's Afro-Nerd and myself, we were somewhat raised on this stuff. You know, you watched Happy Days, and after that, you watched Laverne and Shirley. That's where we know it from. You know, pretty good show. At the given time, we were all into that. Some of you might say, oh, it, it, it's so white or whatever. That's what it was. That's what it was. You don't like it too bad. That's just what it, that's what it was. So definitely iconic, definitely had influence on how you moved about during the time, you know, so, you know, you know that, that's how these things go, you know, and it's something I always say, not to diminish our accomplishments or anything else like that. You see the person, the fame, the fortune, and the big money dropping down just like at the same age, you know, as the person for most part, not poor people. Poor people are different, you know. They they always pretty much die young, but dying at the same time, that's pretty much everyone else. So there's an aspect with this. You go look at it. You say, okay, definitely her accomplishments and everything matter. But the way the general population deals with history from the standpoint, 20 years from now, you're not really talking about this person any way, shape, or form. So there's a certain aspect, did it really matter? What matters is someone like this living 250 years, 400 years. So it's time to figure that out, you know? So definitely an iconic figure. It's messed up that she had to go. Back over to you, Afro-Nerd. Yeah, you know, I hate to say this. (laughs) As you were talking, I just noticed that Macaulay Culkin was trending. Because it appears that he revisited his character <laughs> from Home Alone as an adult in some kind of commercial. Uh, you know, for, again, growing up with these people, uh, he, he was, you know, Kevin McAllister was his character for the, I think it was at least two or three Home Alone movies. And to think that Macaulay Culkin, you know, famously had some, some real uh, issues as he matured. You know, that, that's like uh, a trope in Hollywood with child actors that you know they have this fame but the fame is somewhat finite and and solely relegated to what they were when they were children but in this particular ad i mean he kind of still looks like himself i mean he's in the same house they have the same house that he was in and he's kind of it's just weird man (laughs) he's like a 40 year old dude now i believe if i'm not mistaken it's just it's just i mean literally home alone came out in 1990 so you're talking about literally almost 30 years ago that's crazy but the, the funny thing is, I don't know, you could, maybe you could, you could agree or disagree. Um, we're in a place now where some rules are being broken. And many of these child actors are so adroit at acting. It's really in their blood that even in advanced age, you, we would like to still see them doing stuff. And maybe even revisiting the characters but revisiting them in a different way like i i might want to see a home alone with an adult macaulay culkin 
but it, you got to have the writing's got to be on point. Like the the fact that he, that they were able to bring back Karate Kid, and I can't wait. And it's really highly talked about, Captain. This Cobra Kai series that's on YouTube, no less. See again, this stuff back in the day, if it went through the strainer of conventional Hollywood, we would be losing out because people would just say things as if as if they know. That's the part that really gets me, and that's the the, the linchpin of our show. You know, the the idea of a blurred centered radio show, um, the idea of of urban alternative music. You know, something that's somewhat radical, it's difficult for, for folks to think one-dimensionally. Finally getting what we want because we have about, I don't know, 30 streaming services probably here, there, and about. Everyone has a streaming service or is, or is building one. So it would have been no-brainer to revisit adults in the Karate Kid atmosphere but knowing how conventional hollywood thinks no one wants to see that like as if they really know i don't think anything is guaranteed in hollywood when it comes down to putting out these things as if they're fact like you know for a fact this isn't going to work but ultimately we're, we're seeing that I, I i say right now i want to see macaulay culkin in something in a few things because i think he's a pretty good actor but i think that even if he would revisit his character in some way. You know, hell, we saw, um, I, we, I saw, and I thought it was a money grab, but I saw Deadpool, you know, <laughs> Once Upon a Deadpool with Fred Savage, again, another 40-something, and the Princess, Princess Bride thing, breaking the fourth wall, and it, it goes to, you know, kind of thinking outside the box, just having a brain, and kind of just making it work. Anyway. Let's move forward. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Let's talk about this Facebook thing. I'm looking at a big controversy. It seems like every couple of months is a controversy centered around Facebook and centered, centered around um, Mark Zuckerberg having to go before Congress to explain himself. Explain himself in text speak that these people over 60, over 70 don't understand. That's another thing too, Captain, that there's a lot of slickness going on because the people that are in charge that would have to legislate or adjudicate this stuff don't really understand it. So he might be getting away with murder and and no one understands the language. That's one element that's going on. But what, we, but what we're hearing, and I thought that many of these companies do this, but I think this, this went one step further. I was always under the impression that many of these tech companies, that they pretty much share your data for profit with other companies, right? I thought that was pretty much a given. But now they're saying that Facebook specifically shared their users' private, private messages with companies like Netflix and Spotify and Amazon, and I, I, you know, look, it's it's horrifying to think that your private conversations, which essentially is their way for them to get to figure out what you're into, and what your friends are into, and who your friends are, and the linchpin is 
there's there's no indication that there was any consent that was given that was that was given by the users to Facebook to allow them to do this. Now there are other companies that you know you know, you click off on a whole bunch of stuff and you are essentially giving them permission to peer into your life. But there's no indication that Facebook has given consent, has allowed that you you have been signing off your consent to have people meandering through your private messages. So here we are again, Captain, with 1984, George Orwellian stuff. George, George Orwell wrote the book 1984 in 1948 for seeing this 70 years ago, rather clearly. That's why science fiction is so um, necessary. Not really. Science fiction is, is just a is just a hair away from science fact. So, what are your what are your thoughts about this disclosure? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, just what what the hell is going on? Where where, where uh, and again, I don't really. I have, we have a Facebook. Let me let me be clear. Afro Radio has a Facebook account. It's it's Afro Radio. I do not have a personal one, and I did I didn't. I was uncomfortable when I was trying to join this thing, and it, it was really kind of peer pressure with everyone having it. And I just said, you know what? I'm out. I'm not dealing with this. I just felt like I just want to just put my name in and my email and just keep it moving. And at every turn, it seemed as if they needed to know more about you and just everything. Like, this, this is unnecessary. Why? So, Captain, your thoughts about this controversy. What does it all mean? Well, they're just telling you the truth of how things work. That's just what it is. From the time you got a cell phone, cell phone, I remember years ago, a military guy told me that because he said he had an office in Empire State Building. And I said to him, how come you don't have a cell phone? He said, well, this is a tracking device. That's the real reason behind the, the reason why it was made. This is just the whole thing. I said, that's known in the military. You know, this is a tracking device. I can track whatever you want to do. If you're a high-profile individual, that's what he said, right? Now, it, since and at the end of that time, not everyone had a cell phone, you know, not everyone had, but a lot of us did have them, you know. Now, if they want to track and gather information, it's real easy, man. He, he just got caught here. They've been doing that for a while. Whether it's your text messages, whether it's your phone calls. Uh, using your computer with your IP, IP address and everything else, all that information is there, you know. All that information is there. Also, when you look into the coming 5G network, why do you, why do you need to go to 5G? What's that about? See, the wage slave zombie doesn't know that you could pump things through because it's just information space. Feel good through the phone because it's just a matter of getting the right frequency or feel bad make you impulsive to make you go buy things. All that can be done, man. The science is right there. That, that, that's nothing I'm making up. That, that's done. You can pump the frequency of cocaine, <laughs> you know, and you get the cocaine high. You could do all of that now. You know, that information is there. You can look that stuff up, you know. Everyone has the means to do it, either through Wi-Fi or through the cell phone network. So all this is just part of it. He just got caught. Now, what happens to him as far as his company is just a matter of what 
the people do. People make a big enough, big enough stink, something's going to happen. If it just disappears, eh, pay a little fine, pay a little this, pay a little that, which they got. You know, Facebook has to pay $50 million due to, or even $100 million. They got that money. You know, they got that money, man. It's not like they're going to tell you you got to pay $20 billion, then they screwed. <laughs> You're not going to do that. You know, make it all go away. It's real easy, man. It's real easy. It's an ongoing situation. Everything is sold and passed. You know, you notice the little, the little click on things that you get on your computer from time when you purchase something. You know, you go to a, <laughs> God forbid, you go to a porn site, and then five days later, they see somehow you get some kind of email. You're like, how the hell you get this email? You know, I don't want any of this stuff. These are the things. This is where we are right now. And you see it also. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. You see it in the movies. You see when they walk in the movies, they say, when you walk in these stores, welcome, Mr. So-and-so, so-and-so. Hey, we have this purchase for you. On your last purchase, this is this. This is this is this. Would you want more of this and such and such? They tell you everything about yourself, height and weight as you walk into the store. All of that is a reality. We just have to get actually catch up to that point where we're actually going to be doing it, you know? That's all. With the face recognition, there isn't any privacy. What you're into, you know, all that stuff is there, man. It's there. It's going down. Back over to you, sir. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, I was also thinking about something else. Again, every few, I don't know, few quarters, few seasons, Facebook is in the news for doing some something, some kind of tinkering, some kind of uh, some kind of nonsense that we just kind of oh it 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 goes in waves, and it's happening and no one's really paying attention. Like is it now the funny thing is it's unbelievable is I I remember something that went down with Facebook that made me feel uncomfortable. I think we even covered it, and you, lo and behold, this was about going on five years ago, in two in two thousand fourteen. And they're always apologizing, by the way. But in 2014, they were doing some shenanigans with tinkering with users' emotions, with some kind of experiment, because then there is a kind of drug-like space that social media plays in. And they were doing some kind of what they considered, what they considered to be an emotional contagion experiment. So they were doing things to, to control your emotions. Now, what part of the game is this? This isn't, this isn't even like food, Captain. You know, I might, I might be more leery or more expectant of some shenanigans to occur because of the usage of what you, because of what you ingest, food, air, whatever. But now this is really mind work that they're dealing with. And this is going on a couple of years ago. I never forgot it. And then never on anything. So, I mean, what what is going on here? Let, let me read this quickly. Now, this is something that happened before. This is this is what I'm talking. They're not trying to find out what is make what makes you tick and then sell it to somebody. They're screwing around with your brain. This is from the Guardian in 2014, June of 2014. Facebook reveals news feed experiment to control emotions. Protests over secret study involving 689,000 users in which friends' postings were moved to influence moods. 
It already knows whether you are single or dating, the first school you went to, and whether you like or loathe Justin Bieber. But now Facebook, the world's biggest social media pardon me, social networking site, is facing a storm of protests after it revealed it had discovered how to make users feel happier or sadder with a few computer keystrokes. It has published details of a vast experiment in which it manipulated information posted on 689,000 users' home pages, pages and found it could make people feel more positive or negative through a process of emotional contagion. Now, I'm going to stop here because, again, when we talk about this hip-hop stuff, yeah, he, there he goes again. Imagine the social or emotional contagion that's wrapped up in this music versus Facebook. Because it appears we, we're already there. We're already there. I, I'm always conscious and, and cognizant that, uh, of what I'm ingesting, or at least I try to be. Maybe some stuff slips. But for the most part, I, I try to have a, 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 a healthy sense of skepticism. Anyway, this was five years ago now that Facebook was into some shenanigans. And I bet you if I had enough time, I could, we could probably go through some more stuff. Because I do remember it seems like every couple of seasons, every couple of quarters, Facebook is doing something. And it's going it's to get to the point where Facebook might have to be shut down. But is it too big to fail? I don't know. Or is Facebook actually in the guise of a government, of taking government directives anyway. We will see. I see that the mighty and uncanny Daryl B. has arrived. You know, he came just in time. Maybe that that, uh, mind meld thing might be working. Uh, (laughs) Because I do want to discuss a little bit about, um, well, he could could discuss anything with him. I'm going to go around the horn with Daryl a little bit captain because um this is a lot of things i want to get his to pick his brain about the uncanny yo, yo. what's up man hey the age of Listen. villainy has arrived how's the show going guys a uh, few technical difficulties but you know how we do we we persevere yo so listen first where are you you're you're attending some kind of wrestling event or something no right now i'm in greenwich village right now over by arlene's grocery Attending my boy Tommy London's five dollar rock show. Uh, uh, oh, okay. A lot, of indie, a lot of indie rock bands in the area, and it, it's rad as hell. And the 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 headliner is Mule Kick, like a jam band with Frank Farrar, the original drum of Guns N' Roses, to close out the night. So oh. I, I'm all in there. All right, folks. That, listen, that that's New York City for real. New York City Live. Okay, so, um, well, first up, your opinion on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think our listenership would definitely want to hear what you think about that Sony product. What were, what were your, your thoughts about this animated movie? Well, as everybody knew, I had fears that they wouldn't explore Miles. That would be too many spider characters where he wouldn't get a chance to shine. I, I, once again, I have to eat crow. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, is it possible I just saw the best comic book movie of the year? Yes, it is entirely possible. Uh, uh, sorry, Black Panther. 
you you touch one part of me, you know, sorry, Infinity War, you touched another part of me, but everybody knows I've made a big deal about it. I, you, and folks will see, I will reinforce again from in the blog that I'll be sending you in the morning how much I love the, the um, Paul Jenkins, Mark Buckingham story about <laughs> the kid that was dying who imagined Spider-Man as a black dude. This was it brought to life. This was uh, mind-blowing, amazing. Shout-outs to all the voice talent. Shout-outs to uh, Ram- uh, Mr. Ramsey, Lord Miller, who are behind the Lego movies. Oh, my God. I, and, and, guys, it's not just rock euphoria I'm on, but if you had a hate, for Miles Morales before this movie, I don't see how you could hate him after it. I mean, even the biggest problem with the character that I had, which was he's Afro-Latino, and you don't, guys don't spend any time exploring that, this movie solved. Uh, hats off. <laughs> no, I mean, and the Kingpin... Wow. And wait, how how uh hey Cap, how deep in spoilers can I get? Can I talk about the the end credits scene? You can go all the way now, man. It's Wednesday. This came out Friday, <laughs> man. We had a Sunday show. You wanna go in, go <laughs> in, man. Alright. Not only do we get the Afro Latino in Miles Morales and his mom. But Lord Miller and Ramsey decide we're going to go full Latino. We'll give you Miguel O'Hara, and we'll give you Spider-Man 2099 as the end credit scene. Dude, when I saw that, I broke one of my cardinal rules in the theater. I yelled out. I went, whoa! Folks that were leaving turned around and went, what did I miss? What I what oh my god, there's an end credit scene. Oh get, get mom to them. There's an end credit scene and they come back to see the classic uh imposter meme except with the uh, t- uh, Spider Man of twenty ninety nine with the Spider Man of nineteen sixty seven. Oh, oh you know. All of my geek senses pure overload. I uh, you know what? I've not had a good holiday season. I never have a good holiday season. That that lifted my spirits for those two hours. That lifted my spirits, and I've seen it twice more since I saw it on on, on Friday morning. You know, so <laughs> I mean, feeling. I'm hoping to get from Bumblebee. It's the type of action that I hope to get from Aquaman. Both of those I'll be seeing in the next two days. But <laughs> Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Holy crap. Just holy crap. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Forecast Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, it's James Wan. I'm hoping for great action. I'm hoping for decent acting. And just make it like, like Wonder Woman, a touchstone to build something bigger. It does not have to be a tour de force. It just needs to do the job, 
and continue building that foundation. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know, I'll say this much. You know, uh, the captain and myself, a few days ago, we were at uh, Donna and Richie's store, which you are also a patron of, uh, Daryl. Shout out to Superhero Comics in Floral Park, New York. And uh, I, I hope you enjoy the swag for the uh, Black Comic Festival. You, you oh, showed yeah, me yeah. on on, um, on Insta IG. You showed me that you picked it up. So um, I thought it looked I thought and, it looked pretty cool. The outcast the outcast Kirby the outcast Kirby sweatshirt man. That's on you. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey and you know what? One more time. Uh, oh, his name just slipped my my Hondo Hondo Art. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you for creating. Oh, uh, Beto. 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 Beto Art. Yeah, B E D D O, Beto Art. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, just to tell folks, check him, check Beto Art out. We've been saying it since we were at New York Comic Con. Check this dude out. Check his art out. Buy some prints. Support this dude. Because that's the type of artist we need. We need to get behind that. We need to support that. I'm not talking about Afro Nerd Radio because Afro Nerd Radio has done been supporting that. You guys out there in listenership, support this man. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> oh, you know what? Because see now, see when you, when you and I talk, we can go off tangents on stuff. You know, you know something that I, that I put on IG again, folks. Our our IG account is popping right now. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, we're getting immediate. Reaction. I should have been on. We should have been on IG a long time ago. But I was just as I was rightfully leery about Facebook. I was a little bit reticent about IG. But look, I'm committed to IG more so than Facebook. So anyway, um, I put up. I, oh, sorry about that. I'm that's all right. Mute my mic quick. I I put up a a Jack Kirby esque, a Jack Kirby inspired cover of the Orishas, uh, Oryxes. I think, it's, I think it, it can be pronounced either way, Orishas or Oryxes, which are of, of basically Yoruban Nigerian mythology, right? So what am I saying? Um, this cover of a comic book is definitely channeling Avengers 4, those who are in, those who are in, those who are into comics are fully aware that there are certain comic book covers that are just iconic. You know, Amazing Fantasy 15 when you see Spider-Man Spider-Man uh, swinging for the first time, that cover is iconic. When you see Action Number One, when you see Superman lifting up a uh, a, a car over his head, or uh, Captain America Number One when he hits in the face those covers are historical right so there's a historical cover avengers 4 more so than avengers 1 avengers 4 has is when when speed of captain america is when they bring back that character into the modern age when he's when he's literally discovered by the avengers right so that jack kirby cover is iconic so this gentleman by way of Brazil. So it goes to show you how global this comic book stuff works. And we've corresponded a little bit on Instagram since I put up his, uh, put up his, um, his, his cover. And he has a number of covers. 
But what he's doing, and I even, and even, I even got Reginald Hudlin. <laughs> Reginald Hudlin even responded to what I was doing because I included him into this thing. I want Daryl to answer this question. Do you know of any race of black gods in pop, uh, not pop culture, but in comic book lore specific in the same way that we know? Like we know about Bast. Bast is the god, the Egyptian god, really, that operates in Black Panther's world, right? But as far as a race like the like the demigods, like the like the Eternals, um, like the Asgardians, like the like the the uh, Olympians, is there a black race in pulp comic book lore that you can think of? The operates the same way. Uh, I would say no, but I will tell you one that's close, near, and dear to your heart. If folks picked up uh, uh, the Superion versus Nighthawk uh, right. limited series that spun out of, uh, of Supreme Power, what happened was there is their, their little conflict went over to Africa. I remember that. African, and the African heroes each patterned after a different god or a different tribal force stepped in and essentially kicked the both of them out of Africa saying, you ain't bringing your mess up in the motherland. Just get out of here now. You know, um, I, I will also say there's a couple of indie books. Names escape my mind right now that have tried to do this, where they've, they set up their own thing. Like the most notably is, I forget the publisher, uh, East Indian has something called the 99, which we talked about on the show. I forget right. the writer. I forget the company where, where different people doing good things each got the powers of a deity or, or a hero to help them continue their good works. You know, that just off of my head, that, that, that's why I think I, I'm pretty sure when we hit Black Comic Con over uh, – uh, 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 Martin Luther King weekend Somebody's going to be inspired To do more of this And we also see what uh, Stranger Comics has done With the Niobe universe Doing essentially the same thing And l- l- let's not even forget Roy Coupe With Exo And Windrider And the stuff he's putting out Where he's tapping into that that folklore too, so it's only a matter of time. Well, you know, My- Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger himself, caught a little bit of heat on social media because he and, and I think what he said was fair, but he was coming from kind of he did kind of a Bill Maher thing, but he corrected himself unlike Bill Maher. But um, his concern was, well, look, we, it appears that black folks don't have. I think he was a little too a little too blunt and, and inaccurate, but I get where he, where he was going. He said kind of knee, in a knee-jerk fashion that, you know, in the wake of Black Panther and the reason why black folks are so uh, excited and passionate about the character is because it appears that we have, we have a, a myth, we have mythology, and folks had to remind him that, wait a minute, you know, th- there is a space 
uh, we just maybe you might be lazy about it, but if you did your fair share of research, you would find out that there's black American mythology, as is there certainly African mythology. So I think what makes this more interesting to me, Daryl, and why it, 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 someone's got to do something about this, and this is why uh, I, I have no idea with what's going on with um, Milestone Media. Because every time I throw – and I say this just kind of in tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. Every time I go through a, a, a hissy fit or a conniption, right, and I say, Milestone should know about this. I literally send tweets to Reginald Hudlin, and he responds back in the affirmative. They need to hire us for like the, as the idea men. Or, or rather, <laughs> maybe, or maybe, they, maybe they have because when I said, hey, somebody needs to do – a, a black Harry Potter thing A black uh, a, a magical HBCU Let's get on top of that Right a, a, a positive response What about the black gods Like we should we should. This, this is like This is a no brainer But the, the thing that I think is important Daryl is Thor is an actual Is actual An actual Has an actual space in Norse mythology Okay the, Norse mythology uh, is the engine that runs Thor, Marvel Thor, just as Greco-Roman mythology runs the Eternals and runs um, Hercules and the Olympi- Olympians and Marvel. So if you have Yoruban mythology that actually has these deities, what, what's, somebody needs to pull the trigger. Or, uh, well, why, why wouldn't black well, folks have, a God, have gods like everybody well, else? Well, just remember, remember, the Egyptians have a pantheon. We've seen it several times. We just haven't had a book to explore it. We, we saw it in, uh, and this is going way back, folks, okay? But we saw it when the Sphinx altered reality in New Warriors. <laughs> like, New Warriors 11, 12, and 13, the original series by uh, Fabian Nizenza and Mark Bagley. Thor got transformed formed into Osiris, where he wasn't blonde. He was brown. His, 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 his hammer turned into a huge angst, and he was dating Storm. So, so that, that was one in their version of the Avengers, okay? And another one is, if you remember, what was it? Uh, the War of the Gods that, that Marvel had. Were, uh, sacred invasion You saw the Egyptian gods again That was Hercules While secret invasion was going on Hercules led a group of gods To root out A scroll invasion of their pantheon So and, and included in that Was an Egyptian god I forgot the name of it Because let's face it I, I pulled Sacred Invasion just out of my butt right now, you know. So, so remembering the names of that one will be just a little bit out of out of my league. But, 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 like I said, you haven't had a book because every time they get close to exploring that with somebody like Apocalypse or somebody like Saber or somebody like that that's a part of that region, it's like, okay, we used them for one book. We're not going to use them for another four or five years. And God help you if you say African hero. 
<laughs> you know, I just gave you uh, Israel, uh, Israeli and Arabic. If you use if you use African hero, they'll be like, "There's heroes in Africa." Fool, you got Black Panther. So like, really, we could build on the Black Panther thing. We could go further with the Black Panther thing. Who do you think you are? You're not Christopher Priest. You know that. That I imagine that's how the conversation would go. <laughs> well, one well one quick thing. It's funny you mentioned Christopher Priest because one of the things that was was an, a door opener was that infamous um, fight between Black Panther and Mephisto. And it's just something I just remember so clearly. And Mephisto himself, when there was a reference to Bast, he had said something like, well, I didn't, I I barely heard about about these people. Like he kind of made a passing reference that the the Africans having gods was like, you know, like just not real. Like he, he kind of sort of knew about these people, but didn't but didn't pay attention to them. Like so, the idea, um, priest put out there the idea that even some of these these Marvel um, deities or Marvel demigods that they they are unaware of African gods because that that that's something that Mephisto said himself about Bass in that in that priest run. So what I'm well, saying is. That this, this is this is a good way to introduce, and let me let me be respectful to the guy that that um, is doing this by by way of Brazil. His name is Hugo Canudo, and you go to Instagram, Instagram.com, and simply go to Hugo H U G O Canudo, C A N is in Nancy U T is in Tom O underscore Art, Hugo Canudo Art, Hugo Canudo underscore Art, and he has, uh, uh, I think. A number of these books, they're just they're straight up um, books that deal with the African gods, and he has made that Marvel. You know, he's been he was certainly inspired by Marvel. He makes that clear. Anyway, Daryl. No, we could we could move on because I know we okay. got a lot of topics, you know, and I I don't want to delay it like like that anti-Asian bill. You know, I don't want to. All right, so uh, something we didn't we didn't ask you. Also, I'm going to make you go into two things. One, your impressions of this Hellboy reboot with the strange Stranger Things actor David Harbor. What's up, man? Um, well, I I like it, but at the same time, it feels like a lesser rehash of everything we saw with Ron Perlman. You know, I know. I, I, listen, it's quality actors in there. If you look at the trailer, it, that's quality acting. And they show an actress that I didn't think was in this thing, but she's in there too. Like, uh, like if you've listened to Afro Nerd a long time, you know I like this actress. I'm not spoiling. But when she appears during the end, I'm like, okay, they got my money. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I thought I could skip this one out. No, no, no. But again, I have such an affinity for the the Ron Perlman one that I'm going to do like the Batman to this. I will be comparing this one to the Batman, which isn't fair, but at the same time, they they do put a lot of themes from the comic or or Resident Evil. Part. Yeah, 
you just had to count. You just had a bastard. Anyway, <laughs> but but uh, it does look like they've ripped some scenes directly out of the comic book. So I can't say they're hating. I just I I I don't want them to put too much in. I want them to build David in the role like they build Perlman, if if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I, I said it at the top of the show that I thought that, you know, because of the costuming, because of the costuming, it's clear that Perlman could have still continued with the role. Because they really, he really looks indistinguishable. I mean, I, I even said there's going to be people who may not be into the weeds like you and I. Let's be, let's be fair. There's a lot of people that, that probably are just going to assume that it's the same guy. And, it's, you know, people just say, oh, it's just Hellboy 3. I mean, I mean, that's what they're going to look at it. They're not going to look at it as like a really. I don't. He looks so much like Hellboy. The costume uh, and, is no, the same guy for me. And and let's face it, David Harbor. I mean, he's done more through social media and stuff with connecting with fans with some of these stunts and stuff like that, where it was an unofficial ad for the movie. It was an unofficial ad because David Harbor puts himself out there like, you know, you want me to do this? You want me to officiate your wedding like this? Okay, give me 500 retweets or 500,000 retweets, you know, uh, 100,000 likes. He'll do stuff like that. Matter of fact, oh, I forget who the comic creators are that that are, are doing it with him now. I will post that up to, to Afro Nerd Radio at a later date. But he's trying, like, there's two comic, well-known comic book creators that are going to get hits that want him to officiate their wedding. And he wants, like, 500,000 likes on retweets to, to make it happen. And I got on Twitter the other day, like, come on, come on, this is David Harbour. He's going to officiate the wedding like the sinister minister. Who, who does not, what geek does not want to see this? Retweet, you know, so David, best of luck in the role. I'm crossing my fingers on this. I see our friend Sergio is is uh is wants to chime in before we bring him in quickly to be respected to, to the captain. Captain, I didn't ask you, I was kinda of in a zone with the uncanny. What what are your thoughts about this whole notion of the black gods? Like that that hasn't been tapped into. I mean, ironically we have Ava DuVernay who is going to be, unless things fall apart, from what we hear so far, she's going to be helming this new gods picture, okay, which is about, again, demigods, you know, but actual African, sub-Saharan African gods, I hate, to, I hate to be that specific, but with the Egyptian gods, North Africa, white folks are going to try to get themselves involved in that. They're not going to, they're not going to concede to that. It's difficult to concede to sub-Saharan gods. But it, this is kind of a no-brainer. Like, why haven't we seen black gods? I mean, I know, we, I know why, but just, just what are your thoughts? Well, you know, you're dealing with deities. So, <clears throat> it just wasn't time from the perspective. Who gave you Black Panther? <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they'll get around to it. Or they might go do like this. They might make them into some type of shape-shifting, which they can appear white, 
They compare Latin. They may play around with it. You know what I'm saying? They're not necessarily stuck into their blackness to present it to the people. You know, they'll get around to it eventually. They'll get around to it, man. It's just, it just has to, because they're the ones in control of the major distribution. So they have to get around to it. You know, at the minor level, we could, of course, do some stuff, you know, and get it going. That's, that's of course, we see that happening now with some of this product. But at that level, they got to get around to it, you know. We can force their hand a bit, you know, but they got to get around to it. That's how you got Black Panther. They got around to it. They got around to it. Now, it might sound a bit of defeatist attitude, but it is what it is at that level, at that big global reach, you know. We, of course, could put something together and then, you know, pretty much push it, but I don't think it would have that type of reach unless you have a lot of money that you get on your own that you accumulate, you know. You got $250 million to, to put something out there <laughs> for the advertising alone, <laughs> not for the product. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? And like I said, it's not like we don't know the creators. I mean, That's you, right. tell us, you tell us, we we we're gonna do oh we're helming a a a a African new gods type film. I'm getting Dedrick Sneed and Roy Coupe on the phone like wait hold it uh, I got the creators right here on speed dial just hold up hold up go like yeah yeah I need this here let me get Greg a- a- Anderson Elise to do the art and <laughs> yo we, like I said it's not like we don't know the creators. It's just funding. Funding? Yeah, you could get, you could get forty million if you can get two big name black actors, you know, <laughs> with a good story. You might be able to get that, or come up with that money yourself and then let them pay for the distribution, as far as the promotion and the marketing, you know. And then you go from there. You gonna probably have to come up with something yourself on your end, raise the money, kind of like Mel Gibson did for his his movie, raise your money. The Passion of Christ, raise that part of it. Then you can may if you get some prominent black actors to take a pay cut because you don't want them to go into all your forty million. Pay them on the back end of it if it does well, and you can get them to co-sign with that if they will do that. If they will do that, and then you get the distributors to pay for the <clears throat> help with the promotion. You know, for forty million dollars, some you want at least forty million to pay for it to promote it. There you go. Yeah, just let me get on working on those now you see me powers, and I'll go knock over one of those like like Nazi banks in Switzerland. And I... <laughs> well, it's a good cause. It's a good cause to do that. <laughs> but that money, that forty million, we got. We we just gotta find it and believe it. It's not like you're trying to find two hundred million or two hundred fifty million. Then you need that same thing for promotion, you know. That money is in, is in the black community. They got that, but you have to believe in the product. You know, that's or, the whole thing, to take or, the shot. You know, or let me get DMX to reprise his role in real life from Craven to the Grave and find those diamonds, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. yeah, no problem. $40 million? Yeah, no, no. I see, we're going off the, I see we're going off the deep end. Uh <laughs> All right, let, let, let me uh, bring in Sergio because I think he wants to speak about his uh, favorite actor, Will Smith. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wants to talk about Aquaman again. <laughs> no, nah, he wants to talk about Will Smith too, though. He, right. he, got, he, doesn't li- right. he doesn't like Will Smith, man. He don't like you him, know. I know. He got yeah, a personal so. 
Sergio. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, number one, I, I wasn't planning to talk about Will Smith. And no, he's not my favorite. And no, that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So, anyway, enough of that. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about Aquaman either because I figure I'll wait to see what you guys say Sunday after you see it. You yeah, know? we haven't seen okay. it. Yeah, you so, know. So um, Alice Walker? Oh, well, Alice Walker. As I said before, was she married to a Jewish guy? Yeah, she was. Yep. Yeah. And, and her daughter wrote a book. Actually, her daughter wrote a book that's really awful about her. Um, <laughs> she was a pretty rotten mother, you know. Um, pretty rotten. I know even um, Lena Dawes said that she tried reading the book. She threw it away after 50 pages, you know. Ooh. Pretty spiteful book. Um but I did not know that about her. I swear I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, but I want to talk about what what about Hellboy because I saw the trailer today. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. I didn't like it at all. I was like, maybe Daryl is right. I was expecting like like another in the vein of Del Toro. I said, okay, this is the third, it's third installment of the Toro movie. But no, they went off in a different direction altogether. Yeah. And, uh, the, the easiest way I can explain it is you, you, you got prime rib steak, and then you go to a place a couple of weeks later where it's not exactly prime rib, and, and, the, and the decor isn't as fresh and, and stuff like that. This movie is going to have to build past this first trailer. I mean, the geek side of me goes, oh, wow, that's cool, that's cool. But at the same time, it's also like, yeah, it doesn't look good as, like, the Golden Army, though. It doesn't look refined. It doesn't look, you know, and the fact that they, they released this trailer, quote-unquote, unannounced, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Again, the geek side of me is, oh, we got the new trailer. And then after seeing the trailer, it was like, oh, here comes the comparison. Well, first of all, um, it's Lionsgate. I thought it was going to be Sony, like the first two pictures. But now Lionsgate is doing it? If Lionsgate is doing it, they don't do anything right. First of oh. all, they were given... And the top of that, because it's Lionsgate, they're not going to give them. They're not going to give them the budget um, to make it the way they should. They're going to undercut them. So I'm, I'm not thrilled about it. I thought that was Ron Perlman. I, I wasn't later. I found it was some other guy. Looks yeah, like Ron Perlman. Well, with that makeup, looks like him. Yeah, but uh, no, what, I am. What, and of what course, what Nerd was saying. What Alfred Nerd was saying. We knew that Ron Perlman wasn't a part of it. We knew it was David Harbour from Stranger Things, but the average viewer, the average moviegoer, you know, the casual fan, will look at the makeup and go like, did Ron Perlman lose a little weight? You know? Yeah, and on top of that, it's not the Toro. I don't know who directed it. Which brings up to a question I want to bring up. Uh, you were talking about Ava DuVernay doing this Marvel movie. No, DC. DC. Yeah. DC. Okay, here's the deal. <clears throat> um, th- there's something really interesting about, to me, about directors who they get to do these movies. Um, because what's ha- here's the situation you have. 
a lot of sometimes they hire directors who you think, no, this is not the right person for this movie. Now, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't see Ava DuVernay directing a superhero movie. I just not. I mean, look, I saw what she did with uh, Wrinkle in Time. She's not the right person, right? Uh, the older directors, more established directors, they, they're not interested in doing these movies. I don't blame them. If I was an established director, I said, no, I want to do something else. This is not me. I don't know this stuff. I don't know it. I'm not the person you want to direct this. You want someone who's steeped and has knowledge of the mythology, right? I don't know how much uh, Ava DuVernay has about the mythology of this, unless she's doing some, like, midnight crashing on all this material, right? But then the other thing, too, is that the higher directors, most of them are very young. Most of them don't have a lot of credits, A, because they're cheaper, um, and also because since the, these are very heavily controlled by Marvel and by uh, DC, um, they want the films to look their way. They don't want a director who's going to fight them. It's like a lot of people don't know. Steven Spielberg always wanted to direct the James Bond movie, and he always said no, despite it was Spielberg, because he's going to make it his way, and they want those Bond movies their way. Um, this movie, Shazam, that's directed by two directors who did Sugar. I don't know if you ever saw Sugar, about this uh, young uh, Dominican who gets into, um, to comes to the United States to play baseball. And he also directed a small movie with Ryan Gosling called, uh, he plays an urban school teacher called Half Nelson. And I go, like, that's odd. These are the two people, I'm sorry, these are the two people to hire to, to direct Captain Marvel, that's what I meant to say. I'm sorry, I get Captain Marvel and Shazam confused because they're both the same guy. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel, okay? Yeah, it's, so, it's, a, it's a running joke. It's a running joke. Right. So I'm like, what's interesting, they hired these two people who have no expertise at all in really have a special effects movies or uh, anything like that. But these are the people they hired. It might work. It might not. But how do you feel about that? About the directors they hire to do these pictures, or just or does it just really matters what's on the screen? Afrenard, you got yeah. Well, yeah, I got it. I, well, it, it's kind of a difficult thing because sometimes you do start to see that uh, that when they get someone like a James Gunn, you you can see clearly that this type of stuff is actually in his DNA. You know, he comes from yeah, the trauma. Yeah, you see the Yeah, sure. Yeah. He comes. He comes from the Tromaville, uh, um movie studios, which is always like out there. Anyone's familiar right. with the Toxic, Toxic Avenger? He's always been a pop culture guy, and now that you find mm-hmm. out that it's a fa- that it's a family affair with his brothers co-writing the screenplay for this uh, Brightburn, you feel more mm-hmm. comfortable, and the geeks rally around the people that they know. Like even with um, uh, the Russo brothers, the Russo brothers on on paper, their their affiliation with community, we would say, well, how these are TV guys? How do they know anything about comic books? But you find out they're they're comic book guys. They know the mythology very well. Now we want the Russos to do everything. Someone like yeah. Ava DuVernay, someone like Ava DuVernay, is you know she started out as as a a PR person. 
So she fell into this thing. Now, I think she has some skill on a documentary level, but doing something as as psychedelic as a New Gods movie, I don't know about that. Taiti Watiti, we see he's a zany type of dude. We can see he has the eye for doing wacky stuff. I don't know if Ava DuVernay, she might be a little too corporate. But, hey, I could be wrong until she gets it right. I don't know. I think they, I think they went with her because she's young. She's, young. she's, got, she's got some heat on her. She's got uh, the feminist thing. She's a woman. She's black. All that plays a role in let's go with her because she, she's a sign of the time. She's, she's hip. So that's what they, that's what they do. Although I will say the plane that they were on in Wrinkle of Time, you know what? If you go back and take a look at the the uh, the JLU episodes where they were trapped oh, on on uh, the fourth world and stuff, that easily could have been the home of the new gods. You know that's. The, but the thing is, you got to make that that pop. You got to make that flourish. You got to make that last through the movie. And equally, you got to make Apocalypse look as dark as hell. <laughs> dark, gruesome, terrifying. So, you know, uh, visually, yeah, we, we, we just got to wait and see. See, I, I, would well, like to see someone, like, I, I would like to see someone like a Tel Toro do a movie like this because he has the eye for this kind of thing. Even Tim Burton. Now, the problem with Tim Burton is, Tim Burton would make that movie look crazy, but I don't know if he has like the the, the chops for for the writing and, and for it to be an, an intriguing kind of thing. Ava Duver, Ava DuVernay, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I think she has some skill. I think I think she's gonna it's gonna be based on what kind of material does she have to work with? Because that was a complaint with A Wrinkle in Time is that the the material was a little light for her to really dig in deep. Now if they come up with something for, for new guys that is patently like mind-blowing, she might be able to knock it out of the park. That I don't know. This is, this is the WB we're talking about, so I have no well, idea. Well, you gotta be, you got to be in your comfort zone, right, as a director. As I said, you know, I would love to, I would love to direct a Western. You know, that's my comfort zone. I would love to direct an old-fashioned action thriller with car chases. You know, that's my comfort zone. I couldn't do uh, a movie like that because, once again, I do not understand. I don't know the mythology, and I wouldn't be really comfortable working with a lot of green screen. You know, I'd rather, you know, do stuff for real. You know, if I blow up a building, I really want to blow up a building, you know. Uh, by the way, here's the other third question. Now, you know that Black Lightning future may be in jeopardy. You know that, oh, yeah. right? There we go. I didn't hear about that. Uh, what happened matter? now? No, about what happened about the 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 uh, the, the people who uh, produced it. You know, Salim oh, Akil yeah, yeah, yeah. and his wife, Mara right, Brock Akil. Was some kind of so uh, if, uh, uh, harassment allegations? Well, yeah. Now, if you no, no, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. For those of you who do not know, these are the two people. They have produced a lot of TV shows like Girlfriends and. And um, uh, oh, what's that show with that actress on BET? Um, I forgot oh, the name uh, of it. Being Mary Jane. Being Mary Jane, right? 
Okay, right. so their current show, they have two shows. One is Black Lightning. The other one is a show called Love Is, okay, right. which is Popular supposedly shows, based actually. on uh, – on OWN, right, Oprah's network, supposedly based on their real relationship. Um, they've been married now for, well, we'll see, 20 years. Now, what happened is that Akio has this huge, massive sexual harassment lawsuit against him by this actress who he had been having an affair with for like nine years. Now, yeah. if you read it, it's pretty abusive. I mean, really kind of bordering on S&M effery. I mean, it's really bizarre. Now, you can say, why did she stay with him for so long? If she was going through all this physical and sexual abuse. I mean, you can read it for yourself. It's online. It's pretty graphic. As a result, OWN has canceled Love Is. It's now going to have a second season. Um, and I think the divorce is coming pretty soon. But that calls into question Black Lightning. Yep. Now, yep. I, conceivably, I, I, they can continue the show without them. You know, he's kind of finished. His wife could continue the show, but I don't know how much they were the real guiding creative force behind that show. I don't know. This, um, that guy, that guy grew up with the character. I mean, he literally knows Black Lightning. Like that, that's uh -huh. his idea. Yeah, and you can see her touch when it comes to the female characters. My thing about this cancellation is with Love Is. That felt like more her than him, and they canceled it because his name was attached. You know, that, that's the feeling I always got where it's like it's about our relationship, but it's being told through her eyes. That's how I felt Love Is was, and they canceled it. So if they canceled that, yo, Black Panther, may, uh, uh, Sergio may be right. Black Panther may be in trouble. Black, 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 Black Lightning, Lightning may, be, may be in trouble here, you know, but, because – uh, with Black Lightning, it always felt like he was handling, uh, or, or you could tell his direction when it came to the uh, Justin Pierce parts and stuff like that. But it was her Jeff's hand that was handling the the sisters, the the uh, um, the doctor ex-wife. You know, I, you could tell that like like this wasn't trophy. It felt real. It, you know, at least the conversations were. Well, you know, all I can say is that uh, everything that was a big question mark. Uh, in terms, I, you know, I would not be surprised they're not living together anymore. I, I haven't heard. I, I don't know that for a fact. But if you read the allegations, it's really stunning. Um, and I, I predict a divorce will be announced soon. Uh, sometime, um, because I can see how they can work together or live together after this comes out. Now, you can say that she knew about this woman all this time. Maybe. Maybe they had one of those open relationships. I don't know. But it's Hollywood. People are weird out there. People are weird everywhere. I, I'm but losing, the thing I'm about it, I'm but, losing but interest. still... They're, they're, they have brand, they have branded themselves as this working team, this married, this black married couple as a working team. They do everything together. 
this has really split everything apart. Well, well, look, know? if you take if you get away from their race and think about Les Moonves and his issue where he might not get this hundred twenty million dollar windfall. I mean, yes, it appears to be, uh, you know, it hurts or more concern to us because they're black. But this is Hollywood's get down right now. And men are going to have to figure out how to, to, to not let their uh, nether regions interfere with business. Because now it's getting to the point, it's getting to the absurd. You, you're talking about millions of dollars at stake because you got side women and all this kind of nonsense. It's just dumb. It's just dumb stuff. I'm sorry. Well, no, but no, but here's the thing. As I said before, as I said before, all these guys got side pieces, mistresses. What's my point? They all do, right? That's what but, I just said. I, not, I had just said. I had just no, said they got to figure out a way. But if you read what Akil did to this woman, I'm not going to go graphic about it. You have to read her deposition. I'm not going to go graphic about it. It's pretty kind of sickening. Well, let me, let but once again, brings up the idea: Why would Look, she be I'm with him all the time? I want to tell you something right now. This is another thing. This is another thing we're going to move along. I'm not going into this thing where we're going to start to litigate cases publicly, because that, that, this is it's absurd. We, we're just taking this woman's word. Like how, how you she there for a decade, a decade of abuse with someone isn't even your your husband. Come on now. She's That's what I winner. said. You know, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't care. I don't. I don't care if you put put a pitchfork up her ass. Need to be blunt. It's 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 like, when are you an adult? Me too has to represent. We're no longer infants. We take control. So if you want to take control, take responsibility for your ish. You were dealing with a person you already knew to be married, and now he's violent too. Come on. Some of this stuff is like I. I don't think we – I think and – I, I, and I don't want to come off like I don't have uh, feelings for people who were hurt or, or any, anything like that. But at the same time, there's this habit of we're now being pulled into having to litigate cases that many of them, when they actually go through the system, end up getting tossed out because they don't meet, they don't meet certain standards legally. But we're going to see. But now they're putting out personal business because it fares better – in the court of public opinion than it does in an actual court. I'm just saying. We got to get away from the emotion. I'm hearing too many people who are just kind of co-signing on stuff as if we know these things to be true. There are allegations. An allegation isn't, isn't it within itself truthful. You can say anything when it comes down to looking at a bill of particulars. I see a bill of particulars every day, and half that stuff I know is not true. That's just how it works in the legal field. It is. It is what it is. I hate to see brothers. I hate to see black people who 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 aren't less moon. Less moonfest is going to be all right. Your black behind is not. So I just think we need to be more careful. We need to get on code. That if you get a gig, you need to figure out a way to keep your gig. A gig like this, they don't want. They don't want to. They don't want to give you black lightning. They don't want. They don't want to give you Luke Cage. Hell, they don't want to give you a black. Uh, black Panther. Or black gods, they don't want to do that. I know they don't want to do that. And now this person can't keep his his his, uh, his nether regions in order. Whatever. <laughs> we finally get black lightning. You know what I mean? Black light. That's like a lotto. I don't. I don't think we would have ever thought we would get Jefferson Pierce. That's something Daryl and I would know who Jefferson Pierce is. But to see him on TV, come on. Now we're gonna lose that because this because this fool, this this nog. 
couldn't keep his his s together. I, I'm, enough. Well, well every okay. week's the it's, same crap. It's on the stars now. Stars, directors, and stuff. Get your houses in order, because you never know what's going to be that hit. But if you know you're doing something wrong, hey, it's the age of social media. It will always find you. Get your well, houses now, in order. And, and now they're going back decades now. So I mean, that's that's another thing. They're going back decades. Now this woman, uh, uh, well, you know, what's her name? Uh, Eliza Dushku, who was what uh, Catwoman and, and and also in um, Buffy, that she got mm-hmm. nine point five nine point five million dollars, and now she's still talking. After hey. after after you were settled with, now she wants to take down the show after you get paid for what well, might not she- really well, over words. Not like yep. I mean I, again, we got to know what abuse. There's, having a conversation about the, the 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 range of what is abusive. You're not these people don't want to have you. They, they don't want you to have it. Hey, Daryl, Daryl, what's up? What's what's this Afro nerd package you have on your Instagram page? Afro. Oh, it's uh, two shirts that were made. Uh, uh, made for me by AfroNerd there that um, that, we're, we're gonna, um, we're gonna <laughs> that we're going to we're going to debut all around the city for video shoots and, and like I said Black Comic Fest and Bronx Comic Con and if I get a chance to go to EBAC this year I, w- I will be wearing this stuff oh very good Nineteen, we probably will have them available for the listenership, but this is just for for us as uh, you know, kind of a, as a prototype to see what what it will do, the reaction we will get. One of those shirts lights up, which is pretty interesting. The uh-huh. logo lights up. So uh, on my on our Instagram, on the Afro Radio Instagram, you got to go to the Afro Radio Instagram page because we got a whole whole world, a whole different world on that, <laughs> where you see us on video and do all kinds of antics and stuff. So um, that should be very interesting. And and for guys out there, I know you're out there. Yo, if you want these shirts, let us know. <laughs> Go like, we're not hard guys to find on social media, you know. So you you guys want want to to rep us in the thing? Let us know. We'll we'll get it back to you. Our people will talk to your people. Exactly. One quick thing, Daryl. Um, you know this. We didn't speak to you about this. Uh, you were going back and forth on Twitter a little bit with Q-Storm, who seemed to be upset that an ugly sweater was actually an ugly sweater. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but but there is an issue with um, with Forever 21 using a white model to wear a, a, a Black Panther ugly sweater. So what are your thoughts about that? My, my thing is, and it wasn't just because of this. I, I tell folks, just look at the whole line, and they're using different, quote-unquote, popular figures, and then look at the models they're using. Each one more pale than the last, and I think one of the, one of the shirts they have, or one of the hoodies, is Avita, right? Avita, okay? She is a Central and Latin American icon, Okay? And who you have modeling it? Possibly the whitest Latino, Latina person you could possibly get. You know? 
just like like they saw the Madonna movie and they went, okay, it'll be okay to do this. But the reason I don't get that mad is not just them, but most of retail when it comes and and Afro knows this because he put up the what was it two weeks ago the two uh, Christmas pictures, Christmas family pictures. There's something about Doctor the Model. Oh, we can't sell that to everyday customers. And if you think I'm lying, go look in your shopping catalog for Christmas time and count the number of dark models you see. Enough said. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's a twofold thing because the reality is, and I said it so many years, I said it at the top of the show, that it's still a Disney product, so you can expect all races to be wearing this stuff. I just think that there's a laziness on a part of many of these corporations that they don't really care what something is. They're not looking at this stuff close enough. They're like, this is just a shirt to wear. They're not looking at this as, okay, this is a whole cultural movement that, that supports that shirt. They're just looking at it as, put this shirt on. I don't think they realize that this is a black movie, probably the, the blackest movie of the year, and you have clearly the whitest person on record wearing it. But, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they do want, and we, we do want white people to imbibe on Black Panther products. That's how, that's how you get a $1.4 billion. It ain't going to just be us. It, it's, I mean, look, Daryl, I've been reading, because I'm in and out of it, but I've been reading Black Panther, and that, Black Panther is like uh, interstellar. <laughs> they're literally, oh, yeah. they're literally, if we ever see, I don't know if we will ever see this on screen, this is the Sergio, they have morphed the character in print as essentially Star Wars. <laughs> it is. He's, he has, oh, yeah. he is inter, inter, interstellar now, that character. And, and I didn't give credit. Give credit to Jen Bartel, artist for uh, issue six. She did the meeting between the quote-unquote interstellar Black Panther and Bass, which was quite interesting. And folks, I do recommend this. They have gone to issue seven, but if you can get your hands on Black Panther issue six, Jen Bartel, artist on the come up, her series Blackbird, highly recommended by me. Yo, it's some beautiful art to go along with Coach's story. We only got about four minutes remaining, but I want to touch on this topic real quick. Uh, this is something I think uh, Daryl can appreciate as well because this is going into the sports deal. Now, now there, there's this story of a um, football player that got a $35 million signing contract or something, and he also um, he, he also asked for his girlfriend's hand in marriage publicly, and she's she's a Caucasian young woman, and uh, as if that isn't problematic enough in some circles, because of the whole black athlete you know, white woman thing. Now they have searched her emails to show that she said some pretty racist things. So, so uh, what's going on here? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? People, are, this made this, this, this public, this public sphere for private stuff is crazy. But what are your thoughts listen, about this? Listen, if you're going to do a PDA, do the PDA and back it. Okay. But, Honestly, dude, you should have known your lady before you did this, okay? 
And then, uh, okay, it's beautiful. Public display of affection, that's awesome. You know, that's cool. That thing goes wrong half of the time, okay? It was, if it was, it was after Bears win, oh, oh, we, we won the NFC North. Oh, that's my girl. I've been planning this. No better time. Let me do this. I didn't think he would think, or I know he didn't think people would be so mad that, oh, that white woman's happy with that black man. Let me go back and check her emails and social media. Aha, uh-huh, you see, it's a fake. It's a lie. Let me ruin your happiness. Nowhere does that go through your mind. But for people out there, when you're doing this now, understand there are people that are just going to be there to try to ruin your happiness. All right? And we've told people before, delete your old emails. Delete your old tweets. Why? Because some of them may be used against you at a later date, like now. Cap, what are your thoughts leave about? People's, leave people's business alone, man. You know, <laughs> stop with all that public announcement. Just leave people's business alone. You know, people are going to look anyway because you got $35 million. You know, regardless, down the line. It might not have happened there, but it might have happened. Later, so you had time to clean it up. People are too much in people's bedroom and into their finance and into their bank account. And a lot of times it's those people that don't got anything going on. Leave it alone, man. Leave it alone, man, on both sides. Too much, man. Too much, man. I don't even know what he's doing, what he's not doing, or what she's doing. That's his business, man. That's all I got to say. Hey, listen, listen, okay? Oh, yeah. All right. But they wanted that attention, though. (laughs) She did. Her manager did. You could tell Cardi B was like, what the hell is he doing here? Why is he on my stage during my performance? What is this? He violated me. All right? So, so all those people, oh, you got to take him back. You got to take him back. You're all freaking complicit in that. Just to let you know. Afro sorry about that. Go right ahead. We out of here. I'm, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah, now we hear you. Yeah. Hello? I guess not. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, Cap. We... Hey, I'm going. He's, com- he's coming. In There's no more time left, guys. There's no more time left. <laughs> That's it. It's over. That's all, guys. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, the gremlins got us at the end. <laughs> Thank you.